right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Shock Treatment with Mel and Maddie. I hope everybody's doing fantastic over there. Mel, how you doing? I'm doing great, and we have Anthony Sterber joining us tonight. Anthony, how are you doing? Good, very good tonight. Okay, well that's good. Everybody's doing great. Um, Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it's, it's, we've been trying to get Anthony on the show for many moons. Um, you know, Anthony's a very good guy, very good man. He has his own show, uh, the Anthony T. Horror Show, podcast, rather, right? On, on Dark Discussions. On Dark Discussions. They're like a brother company of the Dorkening, I think, right? They're, they're, they're friendly. They're right up there yes. with their pals. The two corporations are buddies. They go fishing together. Um... But yeah, and we've known, how long have we known Anthony for? Two, three years, maybe more, four years? Um, I think it's going on about that, me and Anthony. Um, You've probably known him longer maybe than Maybe like me. three years. Okay. Yeah, Tony, do you, mm-hmm. remember, do you remember when you met me for the first time? Yeah, you were selling DJ Stand the Man. Great plug. I still am if anybody's looking. Um, yeah. <laughs> We uh, would always see each other at the Rock and Shock and such, you know, which which was, uh, we'll get a little into that uh, later, um, The you know, that whole situation, we can all have an opinion on, I'm sure. Um, oh, yeah. But I want to start off and say, uh, you know, wonder, when, where, are you, were you a fan of horror films first, or did you get into it through the podcasting, or what, what kind of brought you, brought you to horror? I think what brought me into horror was when the sci-fi channel started airing and they were showing all these B-movies and everything. Not like it is today, because today... Where they actually used to show decent movies. What? And the sci-fi channel actually used to show decent movies. Yes, decent movies. When was that? That's a long. We're going way back. We're going way back. Yeah, that's what I'm. We're going. We're, we just went. We're old enough to remember that. Every kid under the age of twenty five has no idea what we're talking about right now. It would show. They don't even. Remember, would... I'll say this: they don't even remember sci. They sci. They only know sci fi is the S Y F Y. Woo! Yeah. So you were saying, Anthony? Sorry. They would. Back in this day, show films from Full Moon Features, Trauma, a lot of independent horror films from the 90s. Anthony, how old are you, if you don't mind me asking? 40. Okay, so you're uh, you're a little older than me, close to our pal Mad Mel. Yeah. Do you recall, um, do you remember USA is Up All Night? I used to watch that a lot back in the day. I've heard about it, but I've never actually seen it. Yeah. Because I wouldn't, I'm not one of those people that would stay up that late in the first place. Right. I hear you. Although it's always Channel 56, uh, Feature Double Features, Feature Double Features, yeah. Those are good times. Oh, yeah, those are good times. You'll never see those days again. It's sad. I think it, maybe if we do, it'll be like in an independent field. 
you know, independent station doing it. Um, that's one of those things they should bring back. They're bringing back the drive-ins. Maybe they'll bring back more interactive television. Yeah, that would be great. Especially with the last drive-in and everything. Yeah. It's shown that people want that type of interaction. Yeah, well, they're, yeah, they're putting one in like uh, 20 minutes away from me. Right now, we got the closest one we have in Mass is, I think, Menden. Um, but they're putting one in Marshfield, either, you know, while things are crazy or maybe permanently. I don't know for sure. You guys ever been to a drive-in? Oh, God, oh. yeah, we have the rustic here. Yeah. I've not been in the, to a drive-in in ages. Ever since there was a drive-in in Seekonk, Mass, mm. which got turned into a shopping center. They always do, Anthony. They always do. Yes, they Once do. Upon a time, Once upon a time, Rhode Island had like five or six drive-ins. And the only one we have left now is the rustic drive-in up on 146, which when that drive-in first opened was predominantly just porno films, and now they show everything. You think we'll ever get to a point where you'll be able to publicly go... To see a porno film that's not like in some you know shady theater in in, in the city somewhere. But you think you'll like, one day when they're really scrambling to figure out how to keep theaters open, and they go, "What can people see? What can they? What do they have to come to see that they can't see at home?" And they bring it back to the porno in your neighborhood cineplex where you can watch, you know, fucking the Gummy Bear Movie Seventeen, or you can watch. The Gummy Bear Movie Gummy 17, if you know what I'm talking about, man. Um, but we could get to the we could get to that place sometime, don't you think? I highly doubt that? we will ever see that again. I feel it. I feel the resurfacing coming. Yes. Um. Yeah. So, like, you, you the sci-fi movies. I remember watching a lot of Tremors on the Sci-Fi Channel. They did a. I remember they did a couple Pumpkinhead movies on the Sci-Fi Channel. There was a couple of Re- uh, Return of the Living Dead um, films on there, which I think you can buy one of them on eBay for like ten grand and like own it outright or own like the the foreign distribution rights to it or something crazy. I remember seeing that on eBay not too long ago. But yeah, I've heard about that one. Yeah, Sci-Fi was the place for a little bit to find you know films of that nature. You know that we, that that we you know get conventions for, um, you know USA was that way too, but yeah, certain people did the did the USA like USA was uh, USA was ahead of its time Gilbert with, Gottfried. with Gilbert Gottfried and yeah, um, uh, I don't think Elvira was ever on there, but um, there was a there was a an a, a actress that was um, I think in a Rob Zombie film that used to host that show as well. So, Anthony, what do you like? What what what's some of your favorite horror movies? Well, I better, uh, the better original question. Halloween is my all time favorite. Yeah, John Carpenter's Halloween's classic. John Carpenter, the film had everything. Uh, great performances from Donald Pleasance and Jamie Lee Curtis. It was very suspenseful, and it was one of those films where. It had a killer score that dictated the tone of the film. Absolutely. Another one would be Reanimator. Yeah, Reanimator is a classic film. Um, The funny thing, I I never rediscovered Reanimator 
until I saw a film called Castle Freak. Classic. Stuart Ooh. Gordon, yeah. Both of them. Rest in peace. We did a tribute episode to him two episodes ago. We just lost him in, a, in the last couple months, Anthony. Oh, I would... Yeah, I, I actually just revisited Castle Freak again last night. Uh, yeah, that was a very good film. Creepy. It's, it's a very underrated Stuart Gordon film. I agree. I confirm. I agree, too. And, um... I think I said, like I said, pre, like in that in that tribute episode, the effects and the makeup job done to the castle freak creature is so good that, like at that time, I think that was like the mid nineties, um, mid nineties to maybe pushing to late nineties um, horror, which wasn't wasn't quite the best time for horror. But I always remember the makeup job and castle freak to look superb and be like very creepy and unsettling to look at so I, I always yeah it is an underrated film of his yeah and it's also uh, I think the first post Paramount film from Full Moon Features as well it's possible yeah yeah I, because it was yeah. released around the split yeah if for anybody that goes back uh, with horror films there was a, an awkward time when Paramount was yeah they had their hand in um in um, you know these smaller films like the, some of the Full Moon films, even Troma, I think they had a deal with it was either Paramount or like uh, I think it was Warner, Warner Brothers. Brothers maybe yeah I think it was Warner Brothers and um, yeah so like it was these I think that's where these bigger these companies you know made their the the most of their money probably flowed in doing the Hollywood system you know they had and then they kind of fell back and did their own like independent thing which was uh, always cool and rock star. Uh, type shit to do. Um, what was the first horror movie you ever seen? Do you remember? Uh, <laughs> that's that's a very tough question. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe something wicked that comes. Okay. It's it's the one that has uh, Jason Robots and Jonathan Price starring in it. It was a Disney film too. Okay. Just the title escapes me at the moment. Okay, I can't think of it either. But um, yeah, I wish that film was out on Blu-ray. That'd be fine. Is it very Give them time, or it will be sooner. Maybe. That's if Disney decides to ever want to stop holding that film hostage. Did, did they? <laughs> True story. Did they put it on that um, the Disney Now app? I haven't seen it on the Disney Now app. I remember they did. Uh, I was excited to go see Mr. Boogity again for the first time in like 30 years. That was my big. A lot of people were talking about how excited they were for this big, for the big Star Wars show. But I mean, Mr. Boogity was the deal that I was going for. I was showing up to the party to see some Boogity. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, because I hadn't seen Mr. Boogity in forever when Disney Plus added that to it. It was so it was such a letdown too when I seen it again. I, it was it was a very sad day. It was horrifying. Yeah, it's like, it's like I used to like this as a child. What happened? Oh yeah, I grew up. Yeah, well, there's a lot of things that I still love that I loved as a child, but things like Boogity, where I think it's just the story or whatever captures your imagination and like the the story of it. So like when you go back to look at it, the production of it isn't all you know isn't 
isn't doesn't quite hold up. I don't I don't know what for the th- certain things in our lives that are childhood favorites, and then you grow up to be like, oh, this was complete dog shit. Um, I wonder what what element drops out that makes us have that sudden change of heart. If it's a production value type deal, or maybe it's just a a time and a place. You know, I've had movies throughout my life that would just fit a time and a place, and you know, you put them on and you get to you you go back to that time and place almost. But I guess in the same sense, if people didn't want to go back to that time and place, then that movie might not be a fan favorite for them. You know. Melissa, how you doing over there? I'm doing. Kicking kicking ass and taking names? Pretty much. That's been the story of my life for the last few weeks. I dig it. I dig it. Um, so, uh, Anthony. You, yes. Uh, what? When did you start getting into uh, the podcasting? I got into podcasting by accident. Ooh. I originally was at the time running a blog site called Anthony T's Horror Chamber, and I wanted to do interviews again. Okay. The first time I did interviews was via email. I kind of thought that wasn't going to fly in this day and age the old email thing. So I decided to do interviews via Skype. Then I would record the interview, then throw the audio interview up on YouTube. When I was looking for mics, I was talking to Philip Perone from Doc Discussions, and he pretty much kind of offered me a podcast. Cool. (laughs) <laughs> Which is like what? And then it's like what the hell? <laughs> because I was doing how YouTube long? videos. How long? Um, that channel before hand. Yeah. Melissa, you had a question. Yeah, I was going to ask Anthony how exactly how long have you been doing podcasts, and how long have you been doing podcasts alongside Doc Discussion? I've been doing podcasts for about, I would have to say, almost two years now. And it's been the same also with Doc Discussions. So basically my first podcasting has been with Doc Discussions. <laughs> well, that's cool that they approached you. They must have liked the blog channel that they've seen you doing. Yeah, the YouTube channel. The YouTube channel. So the, those you did interviews through email, you said? That was before, before the podcasting. How did you get to talk to anybody cool that way? Uh, I cannot. Right now, nothing escapes my mind that comes up. Okay. But I've done some interviews from basically indie horror films. So. Yeah. All right, cool beans. I was going to say you could almost print it, put it in like a, make like a little, uh, you know, if you had enough for a book. Do a book would be cool, but uh, you could probably put something together if there, if you had some cool ones in there that you wanted to like remember. You know what I mean? Yeah. But so they dark discussions. They hit you up and they they said we want you to do this show, this podcast. Uh, no, they didn't. It was like we were like talking, 
and he kind of mentioned the idea of it. Okay. If I wanted to do a podcast, and I said yes. Did you jump it? Did you like? Were you excited to do it, or were you like nervous because you've never done anything like that before? At first, I was nervous. Yeah, because I'm. I wanted to do the interview part, mm. but I have to figure out how am I going to fill the rest of the time. Right. And in the early shows, they pretty much sucked. <laughs> There was, like, no structure, no nothing, even vulgarity, mm -hmm. which I had to tone down, which probably works for the better, because I never knew this, that families listen to horror podcasts. Oh, yeah. Until <laughs> I, I got talked about my language. Yeah. That's how they keep So I toned that down immediately. Yeah, how bad? How much did you have to tone it down? Uh, I wanted to tone it down completely because if I don't, if I start swearing, I'll start s s swearing throughout the whole show. Because that is me. Oh, it's my fellow soulmate. <laughs> We're gonna do a swear episode with Anthony one day, just for just for just okay. one episode. Just for shits and giggles. Unless he can't turn it off. He sets himself in that swearing mode and he can't flip the switch back. And all hell, you know, all hell reeks loose. If you know me on social media, I tend to swear a lot. Yeah. Yeah, and he's, but he's the quietest guy in real life. Very calm, collected yeah. gentleman. Yeah, I try to... Just be quiet. That's all you can do. Nothing good sometimes can come out of me just ranting away. Yeah. So when when you're doing a show, do you prefer more the interview part or the you know the the wraparound stuff when you're putting it together? What's your? I love the interview part because yeah. it gets me to connect with other people, which. For me, it's always a hot thing to do. Yeah. Because I'm very quiet, very shy when I'm not doing my podcast. So, for me, it has to be the interview part, which I like doing the most. The wraparounds sometimes can be fun. Yeah. Sometimes it can be chaotic. Yeah. Do you have a... It depends on the show. Do you have any memories of a very chaotic one? Uh, I'll just say one of my current new episodes was a chaotic one, which I will not get into. The one that we were briefly talking about beforehand? Yes. Okay. I know where you're going with that. Mel, you know where he's going with that. Yep. I'm not going to talk about it on here because I just don't feel comfortable talking about well, it. We don't, Mel, Mel will sell out the info to TMZ. She'll take, <laughs> she'll take the recordings and, and take pictures and put them together for TMZ. It'll be all over the place. Yeah, that's my side hustle. That won't be in big trouble. It's all good. <laughs> yeah, that whole thing's weird. 
We try not to get into weird things on the podcast. We keep it family friendly. Yeah. Not, not family friendly like that, but family friendly, you know, for the for the community involved. Um, do you remember Excuse who me, you... How long have you been doing the convention circuit? What was the question? How long have you been on the convention circuit? Probably since the first Rhode Island Comic Con. I think back in 2012. Because I never knew there was conventions until they started running Rhode Island Comic Con yeah. in the Providence area. Kind of like me with rocket shops. Yeah. Well, you're uh, are you a Rhode Islander, Anthony? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah, rock and shock was is like, uh, well, is you know, uh, like Massachusetts is. That's our big. That was our, that was our big horror horror claim. Yes, that was. But we'll get into the, we'll get into the downfall of horror horror fame. Uh, of horror conventions in Massachusetts a little later. Anthony. Yes, because it's been a really bad year for them. Yeah. Uh, yes, it has. It could be a wrap for them, but we'll see. I heard we had some, there's some things brewing, which will be nice. You know what I mean? Yeah, hopefully once all this not craziness ends. Yeah. I, I kind of like the idea um, with how Altered Reality um, next year is going to combine the Terracon convention and the Rhode Island Comic Con convention seeing both were canceled just recently and then there's going to be two Rhode Island Comic Cons next year hmm. to make up for all the COVID craziness. Now on that issue I'm really not happy with personally as a horror fan. What issue? With the uh, Rhode Island comic, the, the Super Show. Well, are doing two of them? Yeah, they're doing the Terracon yeah. and the Rhode Island Comic Con together next summer. Oh, together? Yeah. Yeah, yeah that... they're combining the two of them. Oh, they should do... Um, and then I... they're going to do a separate Comic Con again in November. I don't think they should combine them, I think... I'll give my opinion, then you guys can give your opinion. You because Tony you said you had an opinion on this. Yeah, they should not combine them. Yeah, I, I agree. The thing is, I, I, uh, the thing is, Alter Reality Entertainment now could be looking at a gold mine in terms of horror conventions. Yeah, and they decided to drop the ball on it. Right. Because Rock and Shock's not going to be around. Scarecon New England, I don't think it's going to be around. I think. So they have an opportunity and they drop the ball. Yeah, well, I don't agree that they should combine them. I think that's a bad idea. Because I do think that when they actually start doing them again, I think they're actually going to do pretty well. I think they're going to do better than they think they're going to do. Or, or, you know, they're. Um, like I think people are going to be so happy to be able to get out of their house and go to a, an event that they're going to rejoice in the form of spending money, and they're going to be happy that they can that they even have the opportunity to get this person's autograph and meet them or buy this piece of merchandise or whatever. And I think people are going to uh, 
replenish the wallets of, of money they may have lost this year not doing it. But I think that um, once everything starts to kick back around, I think that, you know, the, the money will be there. Like, they don't have, they're combining to save money where they really don't have to. And you got, what is it, the, the, the comic book crowd and the horror crowd they're mixing, which, you know, it's a lot of the same faces all the, anyways at them. But um, I don't know. I wonder if they're going to charge, like, ridiculous money for a ticket to it by doubling it up. It's very possible now, you know. But it's also, uh, yeah, it's, it's questionable because then the, then they got to cut some of the guests. So, like, you might be left with, you know, some guests that you might not really care about, you know what I mean? Because you got to kind of, you got to kind of, you know, favor both both kind of the sci-fi move, sci-fi and comic type convention folks as well as the horror convention. So, like, as opposed to getting a big list of horror people or a big list of, you know, comic and sci-fi and TV people, it'll be kind of small portions of each. You know what I mean? But, I mean, I wasn't... I mean, I'm kind of glad that the with the fact that Terracon actually ended up getting canceled because, yeah. you know, the more I saw the announcements coming out, the more I'm like, why am I even bothering contemplating going to this convention because half of the people that were going to be there were just were paranormal investigators who I don't even have a clue as to who they were. So not a big loss that convention not happening, but almost all the guests that were recognizable on the Terracon lineup were here when they did it in 2017. Yeah. So, you know, if you're going to, if you're going to combine the two conventions, fine do it but bring in names that people haven't met before bring in names that we can't usually get around here like i would love to meet the Soska sisters and you never see them at any conventions in the new Orleans area they usually you know for you know more down south and like the new jersey conventions and whatnot well, they'll be but, doing more pr now they're going to be trying to do some more pr now that they're in big hot water yeah but um no i'm with you you know yeah, that lineup was not good anyway to begin with. It's possible that, like, if if the COVID thing was in the air enough, early, early enough, people talking about it, and even before it broke out and it was, like, into the madness that it is, then people probably would have been, you know, not so not taking, taking cons. I almost wonder if pre-COVID stuff kind of people were settling back on cons, like guests were. I, I'm curious, uh, you know. Because yeah, the, like I said, you know, like you guys were saying, the the fucking the guests weren't that good, you know. Not to be not to be a hater, not to be hating, but like yeah, the guests were very you know not that you know crazy that I you'd want to kind of meet and um. But yeah, I don't know. I wonder. I wonder if like better guests usually they drop off some of the better guests toward closer to it, which they never really got an opportunity to get there. You know what I mean? But. I don't know. I agree, but I, I definitely shouldn't combine them. That's a bad idea. Yeah, it is a bad idea. Because I'm afraid now we're probably going to get like nine or ten guests and that's it for the horror side. Yeah, it's going to be trouble. Um, they could, and, and I know they're, what, they're worried about, are we going to get enough people? But I feel as soon as people say, hey, it's go time, feel free. As soon as they say, peel those masks off your face... Boom! It's gonna be like an atomic bomb of people everywhere. You know what I mean? Um, 
So I, I feel like they're underestimating that aspect of it, of like them moving in to spend money. I think that they think that there's still going to be a worry of nobody showing up. But I mean, I could be dead wrong, but I feel like people are going to want to be out and about and spending money galore, you know what I mean? Conspiracy theorists could say that the whole thing was created for people to spend money when it was all over to get the economy back or whatever. But uh, who knows? I, I, I look forward to more. Uh, I sure do miss them. You know, there, there's... Like, I, we just started kind of doing the Scaricon thing, and Scaricon, you know, was super cool uh, with with shock treatment as a show and, and, and Boombastic Films as filmmakers where they let us come in and they kind of, you know, they gave us some cool opportunities. Wouldn't you say, Mel, we got some good... Uh, for shock treatment with those panels, it was very good. You know what I mean? That was cool as hell. So I'm hoping that we can get back on some of them on convention stuff. Um, but... Yeah, I and I heard that there's a you know Rock and Shocks coming back in a different name type deal, but I that's just what I hear. It could be positive thinking or something. But uh, yeah, I heard I've I've heard rumors <laughs> of um, a couple of the different promoters um, <clears throat> getting together and coming out coming back together to do something else in Massachusetts, so that we don't lose that convention because nothing, nothing. It, Rock and Shock is what got me into all of this. If it wasn't for Rock and Shock, I wouldn't have met you, I wouldn't have met Billy, and I wouldn't have all the connections that I have now. Yeah. I mean, granted, it's only been six years, but that you know, since I've started doing all of this stuff, and you know, the, between conventions and doing the shows and whatnot, but like, I miss my horror family. I'm not even gonna lie. Like, there's it's, it's such a different environment when you're doing your shows you know, together in the same room or, you know, seeing one another at a convention and, you know, doing the panel together, you know, all of us working together and, you know, just having a good time with it. And, you know, yeah, the convention part of the part of it is just like an added bonus, but the friendships that have been, have come out of this is what makes it all worthwhile. Yeah, I mean, I know Tony has expressed his, you know, how upset he was over, like, not being able to see people. And it, it's, that, there's a community, that's what it is, it's a community, and you're you're kind of being broken up and not allowed to see each other. It's a lot of these, you know, people that have the same interests and common thoughts on uh, a lot of things, and, you know, they, they, they get them every now and then, a couple times a year, they all get to gather and... And, you know, have some fun together. And go crazy for a weekend. go crazy for a weekend and cut loose. And, like, now they're not allowed to really do that. And, uh, you know, it it, 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 it it hurts because, shit, who doesn't want to be out there having fun with their pals? You know what I mean? And like I said, like, everybody that I've become friends with throughout this whole thing, like, everybody, you guys, you guys are, like, my family now. Like, I, I've been friends with some of the people I've met through the convention scene and have better friendships with them than people I've known my whole life. And you know what? I'm okay with that because it's fun having people that you have something in common with as opposed to, you know, trying to act like you're interested in the norm. Yeah, I mean, I think it boils down. I think everybody wants to belong to something. You know what I mean? Whether you're a big sports fan, whether you're one of the you know one of those people that get all in the politics, 
you know, or you, whether you're you're a horror, like a horror fan that goes to the conventions and supports the films and stuff. It's all like a, a sense of belonging, you know what I mean? It makes everybody feel as one, um, have a real community, and like the sense of community is huge. I mean, the church, I think church is so big. I think it's such a big thing that people do because of the community aspect, because, you know, they're sitting down with people that like-minded individuals, you know, once a week or for, you know, a certain amount of time and that gathering aspect of it, I think is, you know, the the horror conventions are type of church, you know what I mean? You're just going to find your church in this world, folks. That's all you got to do. You find your church and you'll be happy. Um, Anthony, going back to you, because I don't want to... Uh, this is your time. This is your time to <laughs> yes, shine. Sorry about that. No, no yeah. worries. So, Thanks for making a very good point. Well, thank you. That's what we try to do here. You are, too. I'm loving it. Uh, who Seriously, is- without horror conventions, I would probably not be going out as much. I hear you on that. Because if it wasn't for horror conventions... I wouldn't be traveling to Massachusetts. Hell, I even traveled to New York for a convention. Yeah. Last year, I like went on like a 14-hour drive with Phil to Virginia for Scares That Care weekend. Hell yeah. That's awesome. That's a great memory. I mean, not only the event, I'm sure you, that that whole trip was an adventure in itself. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Well, it was fun. Did you want to kill him? I love that convention. Did you want to murder him? No. Well, that was then it was a great time. It was a good time handled by pure gentlemen in that situation. Yes. Hey, Anthony. That and... Yes. Went to one of probably my favorite conventions ever. That was? Yeah. Oh, where did yeah. that kid weekend last year. There's something about traveling out that adds to the experience. You know. That and the environment. Yeah. It had like a kind of a different vibe, but more of a positive vibe. A better class of people over there. In better class community. of people. Ooh. The organizers are great. Yeah. Plus, it's all for a good cause, too, so. Well, they're for scares that care, if I remember correctly, right? Yes. Absolutely. And that's why I also include them as one of my uh, commercials in my podcast as well. Well, that's cool. That's very cool of you, too, hooking it up. Back to your show, Anthony. Who was Anthony's first guest? Can you guess, Mel? Zella. Mel, Mel, can you guess? Anthony's first guest. Yeah. I'm going to say, I'm going to go out on a limb here and, you know, just throw a name out. I'm going to say, Jim Salsamo. No. Was it a Philip? Yeah. And Salmo. No. Philip Seymour Hoffman's last appearance was on the <laughs> Anthony T. Horror show. <laughs> I Unfortunately, never... I would love would have loved to interview the guy, great actor. Yeah. But he never I don't think he's done anything horror related. He never appeared knowledge. on your show? Alright. I got bad info somewhere. 
Who, All right. So who I'll you want me to give it out? Yeah. Philip Perone. Okay. Because yeah, he also is a he's also a writer too sometimes. Yeah. He and he had comic books, right? No, uh, short stories. Yeah. I, I knew it was either comic book or books or short stories because I think the first time I met Phil at Scarecon in 2016 when that when Scarecon first started. And him and my dad, like, hit it off instantly because I had taken my dad to his first convention and he got him that weekend. Oh, yeah. I, I bought one of his books. Yeah, we, I also remember what we talked about, too. Oh, yeah? What was that? His uh, short story in a Chud anthology book. A Chud anthology book? Yes. Like cannibalistic humanoid underground yes. dwellers? Really? That's pretty yes. cool. Yes, I'm kind of interested in that. I support uh, that. Since I knew about it, I figured that would be a good thing since I love Chud a lot. Who doesn't? Joe Bob Briggs doesn't, apparently. Joe Bob's <laughs> hating. It'll be all right. Because I, I remember wa- listening, watching his show... On that episode, always complaining about who's the lead character or how he could not follow the film. I literally screamed at my television. It's an ensemble piece. Yeah. Your boy Chud. I got a fun fact for you about Chud. Yes. Um, Chud has two two grown men from Home Alone in it. Daniel Stern, I know, and John Hurd. Yeah. How do you like that? I heard it. You think it was crossover casting? They seen him in Chud. I doubt it. They like their chemistry in Chud. I doubt it. <laughs> they liked their chemistry they had together in Chud, so they they casted him in Home Alone. And I don't think they've ever been on screen in either of the Home Alone movies they were in together. That's possible. Yeah, I don't remember ever seeing those two on screen together you, in the you, Home Alone films. Are you a, uh, are you a fan of home, the Home Alone films? Uh, the first two. I agree with you on that. How about you, Mel? You agree with that? Yeah. You got to meet Tim Curry, the, the king of Home Alone too. Oh, I've met him. I know. I'm the only one who hasn't met him in this in this broadcast. Very unfortunate. He's a very nice guy. Uh, I'll tell you a story about him okay. when I met him. When I was taking my picture, uh, the photographer screwed up the picture. And Tim Curry was kind enough to ask me, where are you from? And I don't get that from many celebrities. Yeah. He seemed like a very nice gentleman. That's cool. He's pretty much played my favorite mad scientist of all time. Yeah. And Dr. Frankenfurter. Hell yeah. 
The Rocky Horror Picture Show. Classic roles. He was in it. He was incredible. He does. A, he does a um, an episode of Tales from the Crypt. That's probably one of my favorite top three, top five of all time, where he plays like multiple characters in a in an episode. Uh, but it's super cool. Yeah, don't Tim, forget Clue. Clue, of course. Yeah, Tim Curry's the man. Mel, you had a story about uh, about our pal, right? You met him. Oh my God! Yes. But it, it might it might upset me at the same time because of the way I got to meet him. I but, know. Yeah. Um. You know, my other my other buddy Matt that passed away at the beginning of the year, um, was running security, and he was Tim Curry's, you know, appointed security for the whole weekend. So, I, I mean, it was no secret. Me and Matt were close. We were really good friends. So. You know, while I was waiting, I think I was waiting for you to show up. Yeah. And once you got there and went in, I he, he had called me while I was waiting for you. And he was like, dude, when you're done, come down between the hotel and the convention and the, and the dunk and come around the back of the building. He's like, I'm out back here right now. Tim's out here and he's having a cigarette and we're out here, you know, shooting the shit. So he can, you know, get some fresh air and take a break. Word. I am all about it. So, you know, you you got there. I mean, you got in. I gave you your pass. You went in. I went down around back, you know, to the appointed area where I was told to go. Yeah. And spent the next half an hour shooting the shit, smoking a cigarette with Tim Curry. Gave him a copy of DJ Stand the Man. Hell yeah. And... I was able to, you know, tell him about shock treatment and, you know, God rest his soul. Matt had been talking about you and I doing this for like the whole weekend. But at that point, and I didn't even know about it because he was trying to get him to come on the show as a guest for me. That'd be cool. That's my Tim Curry story. I like it. (laughs) Anthony Thurber. So, yeah. who was your favorite guest so far? Ooh. That's a tough one. Between two people. Yeah. First, Buddy Cooper, who directed The Mutilator. Yes. Very good guy. It was very good to interview someone who directed a film from the 80s. Yeah. Because he really provided some good insight into the film. He was having, like, there was, like, this screening down in North Carolina. So I pretty much got the interview done and pretty much rushed, I think, the episode because... I think that was the week where I had like two episodes in one a week because I wanted to promote the screening. You know what I mean? Yeah, I know what you mean. And my other one would be most recent. Yeah. Sarah French. Oh, okay. Did you- I love Sarah. Yeah, Sarah's great. She's a great interview. She is. We She's were talking about her lady. Even just a great interview. Mm-hmm. We were talking about her latest film, Rootwoods. Yeah. 
And it, it just goes on to her talking about another film that she shot in the desert. Oh, man, that's it, tough. It, it really, it was, it was such a fun episode. Yeah. That episode there. She's sweet. Joe's a good interview, too. Yeah, I'm... I'm I'm hope I'm thinking of bringing them both back on once Blind comes out. Did you get a chance to see Blind yet? No. Oh, we screened it at our, our film festival last year. It was good times. The Undo, Undo Divergent I, Film Awards. I've heard it's supposed to be very good. From I what like, I'm hearing, yeah, it was a good, it was very good. It was very it was it was like classy. Um, you know, that a great look. Yeah, I heard it was beautifully done. I, I even like there. There's a, there's a, there's somebody in it that kills people, and I even really, li- I really like the look. You know how when you have a killer in a film or something, and the look kind of kills it. Um, I thought that this look was really like it had a really gr- like it was fresh and like original, um, and just looks really cool. So like I got to give a kudos for that. And it was a good flick. It was all around, all around, you know, round and round. A good movie. So definitely, I'm sure it'll be out on Blu-ray and streaming. It'll probably be on Shutter. That's how good it was doing. Yeah, I was just gonna ask: Is it streaming anywhere yet? It probably will be. Don't count. Don't. I don't know anything, but I I feel like that it was, it was it was good enough to appear on the Shutter Network. Um, yeah, yeah and I, mean, I, I I was kind of disappointed that I missed that event where they were screening it because I really wanted to see it. Yeah, yeah, we, you know, we so that kind of bummed me out. Yeah, well, we we did screen it, we did screen it. It was it was it was a it was a it was a nice turnout. And uh, what can you do, you know? But we did screen it. We tried to bring it to the public. We tried very hard to bring it to the public of Massachusetts. Um. So that's cool, Buddy Cooper. Did he give you any good stories from the set or any or that you that you remember? Uh, yeah, he gave me some good stories. We also talked about a little bit about the fight with the MPAA. Ah, on that film. Did he say what parts of the movie got him in trouble with the MPAA? I'm not sure. It's it's been a while since I've done the interviews. Nah, I have I no recollection. I can find it on the Doc Discussions uh, website. Yeah, I support it. So two years. But, str- yeah, but I think, but he's a very nice guy. Yeah, I think I'm. I heard the rumors he was doing a sequel to that. He should. I mean, this day and age, I think anybody that did an older movie, if they that that had success, if they, I think that they should find indie filmmakers and re, do reboots with them or sequels, depending on. Um, mm-hmm. So we'll see. That'd be cool. That'd be cool beans. That'd be cool in the gang, as Chase Carson says. You know. Um. So. If you, I had a if you could interview anybody, living or and dead, I want to know both. Who would it be? Interviewing, uh, alive. Probably, I will never get. 
Actually, interviewing live that's easy. Yeah. Come to think of it, Lloyd Kaufman. Oh, Lloyd Kaufman's one of the AKA the ever. guy who keeps eluding me. Oh, <laughs> hasn't been in the New England area in a while. He's eluding me too. He's just trying to protect you guys. He doesn't mean anything personal, but you could get Lloyd. Lloyd's attainable. Yeah, I'm a, one of these days. I'm going to get Lloyd. We just did an interview with Lloyd on uh, the Without Your Head podcast, like double feature thingy that they do over there. Which oh, yeah, be documentary too, I believe, yeah, right? Yeah, too. Yeah, and Gary Sherman. Uh, you could get Lloyd. Lloyd's attainable for you. And uh, who who dead, Anthony? Who dead? Probably Donald Pleasance. Yeah, that would be I, cool. I like the way he approaches his characters, whether it's in the Halloween films or in uh, Argento's Phenomenon. When we interviewed when, when we interviewed Gary Sherman for the B Doc, he told us the story about Donald Pleasance how. You know, Christopher Lee, who's also in it, one of the big selling points for Christopher Lee uh, to be in the film was the fact that he got he was being getting able to work with Donald Pleasance. He was beloved from all around. Donald Pleasance would definitely be right up there uh, with key people to sit down with. He was in... A film that Anthony loves to this day, ladies and gentlemen, loves John Carpenter's Halloween. Which makes me wonder one thing, folks. One thing. Is what did Anthony Thurber think of the reboot of Halloween that was recently done by people that I, I've, I've, I, I can only speculate to say Anthony Thurber doesn't quite always see eye to eye with this production company. Uh, they go by the name of a Bloom House, and Bloom House, yes. And what? What? Watch what, it. What did you think? I'll be doing my Jason Blum impression. <laughs> <laughs> we're we're all for uh, kicks and shenanigans here. If you want to do any impersonations, um, feel free. <laughs> did you like the? Thank you. You're welcome. Did you like? I the thought movie? it was great. Yeah, I thought it was the best movie that year. I agree Quite with you. Friendly. I liked it a lot. Yeah. Melissa. I thought David Gordon Green did a great job directing. I was shocked that Danny McBride turned in a very good screenplay. Because if you know Danny McBride, yeah. he's mostly known for comedy. Truth. I, ha I had faith in him. I had a good feeling that he was going to turn out a good product with it. Um, you know, the people that can write comedy, comedy is not as easy as some, some, some might think. So like, and it's definitely a lot of comedies, that sad clown type thing. Have you ever heard that expression where they're just kind of sad clowns? Um, so like they could flip it from the comedy to the dramatic pretty good. I, I feel, um, but yeah, I, and I, the director, like you said, uh, David Gordon Green there phenomenal you know i like some of his earlier stuff he does he has a few things that the criterion put out i think um but i've always like he's been one of those dudes that's been lucky enough to kind of break in to like big gigantic hollywood movies 
I think he did, uh, what did he do, Knocked Up or, or Super Bad? He did one of those. Pineapple big, Express, I Polar think. Ex- Polar uh, Pineapple Express, that, the weed movie. Yeah, Pineapple Express. Yeah, like he did that gigantic hit. You know, he did that movie called Joe with Nicolas Cage, which is actually, it looks like a sci-fi action movie by, by, by the, 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 to just look at it, like from Sci-Fi Channel doing a good old action movie. But, um... Joe is actually a fucking really good movie. I I recommend that. Uh, it's gonna it's like got a lot of heart and shit. It's actually really good. And that's the same director. And I know that he's he kind of jumps back and forth with, you know, genre, which is big with me because I can appreciate a filmmaker that can you know jump in and out of different genres and doesn't just do, you know, there's nothing's anything wrong with it, but just doesn't just do the same genre every movie, uh, which is he does, you know. I don't know what I don't know what to think about the upcoming Halloween movies though. I think that that's kind of trouble, um, you know, especially announcing two of them because it's like, you know, kind of, not you know, whatever they try and end this the, the first one with, you know, he's coming back. So it's not like you it's gonna be. There's no you know what I mean. I, I think they they they're, they're jumping the shark in the fact of you know releasing the, that there's gonna be two movies. But what do you guys think? About the whole the, the next two Halloween movies coming. If if I'm hearing what I'm hearing, that it might be more bloodier than the other Halloween films. It might be interesting. Yeah, and the first ones, the first reboot was was pretty, uh, you know, good with the gore. There's some good gore scenes. Mel, what do you think? What are you, you looking forward to these two movies? Um, I'm definitely looking forward to Gore Factor. Yeah. Um, but I also would like to see something different other than, I mean, I love Halloween. I love Michael Myers, but I kind of want to see new stuff. Truth. Same here. We'll see. I, I believe the director is returning for both. Yeah, yeah, directors return for both. I wonder if Carpenter is good. I wonder if Carpenter is returning too cuz I think the fact that his presence was on the newer one helped it too. It gave the the fanboys of Halloween, which I am, I'm not giving I'm not trying to give hard time saying fanboy, but I think it gave those 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 you know, natural uh homegrown Halloween fans a little extra seasoning with um Sprinkling Carpenter in there. I think he did the music um, as well as executive produced. You know, executive producing is really just kind of getting your opinion asked. Um, but it was good. He felt, at least his presence felt stronger in that reboot. You know what I mean? But, his score in that film was just phenomenal. Yeah. I, I think mean, it's one of his best scores. I agree, and he's got a lot of good ones. That's uh, it's one thing that I'll I'll say you know I'll say for a car, huge Carpenter fan, of course, top three, um, and I've always appreciated the fact that he scored his own movies because, you know, now you're you're really selling, you, you, you know, the feel and vibes and all that that you want to create. Like you're doing, you're you're showing the the video, the, like the visual side. And now you're showing the audio side, so like you have complete control of that. Where is then if you were to do it 
if do it other just you know shoot it and turn it in and then if the dude composing it isn't on the same page with you you're not going to get the best of that you know what i mean feel but so how, how many years where where does anthony thurber want to see himself in 10 years with the podcast podcast world Probably doing the same thing I'm doing right now, trying to help independent filmmakers by promoting their films on my podcast. And he does. You're a good man for that. You know what I mean? I've, I've been I've been on Anthony's podcast uh, like two or three times, and um, you know, we I, I commend and I, I I thank you for you know for allowing us to be on there and other filmmakers too, because you know realistically like. Uh, the underground filmmakers, like every everybody that can talk about their films and push them and get them out there, the better. That's the only way to kind of grow from you know point A to point B. Um, is uh, the kind folks like Anthony Thaber who will bring you on his show, talk about your movies. You know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Do you listen to any podcasts outside of your own? Uh, lately, I've been slacking. Yeah, well, uh, I would usually listen to a Wicked Horror Show yeah. when it's live, if they have an interesting guest. Yeah. Uh, I would been listening to a little bit of Talk is Jericho. Yeah, it's good stuff. And I was listening to Castle Friday. Yeah, what happened with that? There was another scandal that broke out where uh, the podcast world went a little crazy. Did you hear about that? I don't know too many details. Oh, yeah, I heard about that one. I just know that it involved, like, um, the movie Crypt with Adam Green and Joe Lynch, um, Mick Garris' show there, uh, Postmortem. I think think it had more to do with the company Cinescape State. Because there were a lot of rumors going around on what was going on on their film sets. Was that what it was? Yes. I know that, Which yeah. we're not going to talk about. <laughs> it's, I don't want to talk about in front of uh, the world. families and stuff. The public. They're going to pull the plug. You know, I wouldn't want to get into their business anyways. Because I don't know anything of it. I don't know what's going on with it. And the last thing, as a person that has, you know, and I think everybody's had some beef in their day. Um, there's a beef going down. And uh, the worst thing ever to do is to speak on something where you don't know the facts. You know yeah. I mean? And look at what's happening to Fangoria, too, as a result. Is that the, is that the drink? The Fangoria, the magazine. Oh, I thought you were talking about the was it sangria? Fangoria. <laughs> Fangoria. <laughs> Fangoria. Yeah, what's the whole deal with them? They're, they got the same type of issue going on over there? It's the same thing as why the podcasters left. What the fuck, huh? Did now trying to... Now, I think last time I heard Cine State... Just trying to sell it. It's a lot of damage. Yeah, I mean, hey, when you get that, when you get bad people in your in your shit like that, they're gonna rot you from the inside out. You know, you gotta find these people, find 
these people in better ways, I guess, because it's you let the wrong people into positions of power, and oh lordy, look out, demons on the loose. But yeah, there's a lot of crazy things going on in the the indie and low budget world of uh, horror films right now. Weird, a lot of shit, a lot of shit popped off in the last week or week two weeks. But luckily, you have warriors like. Shock treatment with Mel and Maddie and Anthony T's horror show to keep you guys safe with the news and the ooze. You know what I mean? Doing it nice. Pork fried rice. You know what I mean? So yep. uh, we're, we're, we're reaching the, an hour point. So we're going to, we're going to cut the episode and uh, we want to thank Anthony for coming on the show it was a lot of fun. We want to have him back ASAP to uh to do another show and uh it was a lot of fun. Hopefully you enjoyed your time with us. Yes, I have. Melissa, did you enjoy your time with us? I always enjoy my time with my favorite guys in the conventions that I get. You'll be back on the show soon. Yes. I would hope so. I'm telling you, that, that, was for, that was for both of you. That was for both of you. Well, I'm glad. So now that I know you both want to be back, we'll uh, we'll be back with a a show real soon. You hear, kids? All right, everybody. Uh, Anthony, holler, tell them all your uh, tell the world all your social medias that they can find you on. You can find Anthony T's Horror Show on. Facebook, Instagram, and the Slasher app at Anthony T's Horror Show, and Twitter at Anthony T's Horror. I like it. I'm with it. All right, folks. We'll catch you all on the next episode of Shock Treatment with Mel and Maddie. Cue the music. Cue the music.